We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. You're home for everything Lakers. We just had a crazy night of NBA basketball. We saw the Celtics take down the Bucs, and we also saw the Warriors be the only team in the second round to get a 3-1 series lead over the Memphis Grizzlies without John Morant. We'll talk a little bit about those, but obviously, this being the LakersNation.com live podcast, we're going to talk mostly Lakers basketball. We'll talk about some trade stuff. We'll also get into, well, a number of different topics here. The coaching search, of course. We'll talk a little bit about the front office as well. Lots of things to discuss. If you're joining me via YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook, welcome in. Thank you guys for joining me live. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, make sure you are subscribing over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. I'm going to be taking your questions and comments as we go through the night. Um, <laughs> as you can see, if you are watching the, this over on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter, and see, not in my typical studio. No, actually, tonight I am in Atlanta, of, of all places. Right now I'm in, I'm in Atlanta, just got in uh, a few hours ago, so I'll admit I am tired, but uh, I'm here in, in Atlanta. The reason why it's a solo show is because I'm doing this off of hotel Wi-Fi. I don't think I quite have enough bandwidth to have been a guest at this moment. But I'm in Atlanta because tomorrow I'm going to be interviewing a uh, NBA draft prospect, um, who some of you may know. His name is Kai Soto. Uh, who is looking like he's going to be the first fully Filipino player in the NBA, which is going to be uh, a lot of fun. I can't wait to get to chat with him tomorrow, so you guys can keep an eye out on the LakersNation.com YouTube channel, podcast feed, all of that for some of that content that's going to be coming out uh, when we get to go to his workouts and things like that tomorrow. So that's going to be a lot of fun. All right, guys. Appreciate all of you who did join me. Um, Let's start things off with what we saw tonight. So the Celtics tie up the series with the Bucs, go 2-2. It was an interesting game, back and forth quite a bit. It looked like for a little while there, the Bucs were going to get it, and then a big surge from the Celtics, in especially the fourth quarter. Al Horford went nuts. I've been saying all along, I've been telling Keith Smith over on the NBA front office show that Al Horford has looked like he's 25 and not 35. It is ridiculous, the level this guy is playing at. He is absolutely helping to power that Celtics team, and they do bring the Bucks now back to an even 2-2 series. 
heading back to Boston. We'll see what ultimately winds up happening in this one, but this is two very evenly matched sides. I have no idea. It might go seven. This very well could easily go seven games, and I'd like to see it. We didn't get that seven-game experience in round one. Let's get some seven-gamers in round two. Would be a lot of fun. Second game, we had Warriors and the Grizzlies. Grizzlies, no John Morant. It looked like they were going to do it. It looked like they were going to get it done, and the Warriors just kept hanging around and hanging around and hanging around. Then Steph Curry did his thing late. Draymond Green made some big defensive plays. Got to be gutted for the Memphis Grizzlies. Looked like they were going to somehow get a big win without John that didn't happen by the time the final buzzer sounded. All right, let's get into some of your questions and uh, and comments that are coming in here. Somebody said, putting in that word, Trevor. Yeah, I mean, look, I said we do this live show Mondays, uh, Monday nights, Wednesday nights, and then Friday afternoons. I didn't want to make a liar out of myself, so here I am right now. Oh, somebody said, Trevor, you said Boston in five, and... So what? Yes, I said I said Boston was going to win the series in five. My my hope was that the Bucks would win it in four. That's what I wanted to see happen. Was the Bucks win it in four? I thought Boston's defense was going to give uh, the Bucks all kinds of problems without Chris Middleton. And credit to the Bucks, they found ways to get it done. My hope was that the Bucks emerge. My goal coming into the playoffs was for anyone but the Celtics or the Clippers to win. I thought the Celtics defense was going to cause more problems for the Bucks without Chris Middleton. And uh, fortunately, it doesn't look like it's playing out that way. I even said it when I, I said that. I, when I said I could see the Celtics taking this in five, I said I really hope that's not what happens here. It's not what I want to see happen. So I'm thrilled that this is at 2-2 right now. I was hoping it would be 3-1 after tonight, and then the Bucs could hopefully put it away and have it be Bucks in five. That's what I want to see happen here, regardless of what I thought was going to happen. Um, and people say, oh, well, you're disrespecting a team like that then every prediction is disrespecting some team to some degree or another, right? If I said, oh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be Bucks in, in seven, then oh that's disrespectful of Jason Tatum. Come on, people. I look, I know we live in hot take culture and all that kind of stuff, but not really how I roll. All right, let's see what else we've got going on here. We've got a lot of questions and comments coming in. Uh, somebody said we need the Celtics to lose. Lakers need to be the best winning franchise. Yeah, right now tied at 17 championships apiece. Of course, the Lakers want to be the first to get to 18. The Celtics look a lot closer to that, obviously, right now. We'll see what Rob Plinkett and Co. can do this offseason if they can figure out a way to get this done. Uh, Donovan Rogers said campaign can't win a ring either with a super chat. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you guys for, for giving me that super chat there. But campaign can't win a ring either. Yeah, look, there's there's a decent segment of Lakers fans who are not thrilled with the Phoenix Suns and would like to see the Suns get bounced out, would prefer to see the Warriors. We've talked about this. I think mostly LeBron fans want to see the Warriors go home in general. I know a lot of people have different opinions, but in general, LeBron fans want the Warriors to not win because they don't want Steph Curry to, to match LeBron in, in titles. And then Lakers fans in general don't want the Celtics to win. And then a little bit of the Suns too. Maybe that's because, you know, the Suns eliminated the Lakers and, and that's part of it. You also have the the situation where Campaign has said some things. A lot of people don't like Jay Crowder. Look, Matt the Optimist Peralta is probably excited hearing that right now. Yeah, a lot of people don't like Jay Crowder. He gets the automatic master lock of the night every time Matt the Optimist is on with me. And, and so there's, there's some reason why Lakers fans want to see the Suns go home as well. But myself, personally, I came into the playoffs saying anyone but the Clippers or the Celtics, we're halfway, halfway there. Come on, Bucks, Let's take care of business and get this thing done. 
Uh, Bob and Patel, SoCal never wants NorCal to win, so you don't want Warriors and Celtics to win. Nah, I mean, I, I I never got into the whole Southern California versus Northern California rivalry thing, and maybe that's because I was I didn't wasn't a huge baseball fan growing up. I mean, you know, Dodgers Giants that's a big one, that's a big rivalry. We can talk now Rams and 49ers and, and that sort of stuff, but Lakers Kings was it for a little while, and then the Kings just disappeared, right? They haven't been in the playoffs in 16 years. They fell off the map completely. The Warriors were terrible forever. The Warriors and the Lakers weren't really good at the same time. So I never felt quite that that Southern California, Northern California rivalry that some people talk about. Uh, Intel Wild. Trevor, can we be a top three or four seed next season realistically? Uh, Yeah, I I think that the Lakers can, but it's going to take what I've been saying all, all along for months now. The Lakers are going to have to bat a thousand. They've got to be perfect this offseason. And I'm talking about the coaching hire. You've got to nail that. It's got to be the right person, the right fit. And we won't know if it's the right fit until we get into the season and we see how everything plays out. But we need that to hit. And then we also need to see the free agent moves, the trades. Those all have to be on point. You've got to make the correct moves to build out the team. LeBron played at an MVP level this season. That's what LeBron did. He played at an MVP level. Obviously, didn't play enough games, but played at an MVP level. Anthony Davis still can be very good. Obviously, injuries definitely set him back this season. We also saw some games where even when he was healthy, he didn't quite look look like himself, not like we were hoping. But bottom line, if the Lakers can get the right pieces around LeBron and AD, sure, they could be a top three or four seed. But here's the challenge, and this is what I've been looking at. When I'm looking at the playoffs right now, you look at the standings, even the teams that have, that have gone home. Who's dropping out? The Lakers didn't make the playoffs this year. Who's dropping out? I talked about this earlier today with, with Keith Smith on the front office show. The Sacramento Kings, they hired Mike Brown. And we, we need to talk about this too because that impacts the Lakers. But they hired Mike Brown. And they did so with the goal of, of him being the guy that's going to end this 16-year playoff drought. Let's go. Mike Brown, you're going to get us into the playoffs. Who's falling out? Look at the teams that are in the playoffs right now. Who's dropping out? The Clippers. They get healthy. They're probably one of, if not the top team in the conference. They're easily in the in the mix, right? They're right up there. Uh, and they went home early in this one. The Timberwolves, young and up and coming. Even the San Antonio Spurs, young and up and coming. Maybe you point to them and say they're the team that drops out, but DeJounte Murray's just going to get that much better, right? These teams... I don't think they're going anywhere. So if you're the Lakers, you have to get everything right. Because I don't think you can count on the West being so weak again next year that you just kind of fall backwards into a playoff spot. That's essentially what was going to happen this year until the Lakers refused to win basketball games down down the stretch and just continued to fall and fall and fall. The, The San Antonio Spurs had no plans of making the playoffs. That wasn't what they were intending to do. Just the Lakers wouldn't win basketball games, and so finally the Spurs just went, well, okay, if you're just going to give this to us, I guess we'll make the playoffs then. They weren't trying to make the playoffs until it just got handed to them and fell in their laps because the Lakers just went, nah, no, we're we're not going to win games here. So who is it that's fallen out? That's the challenge for the Lakers in the Western Conference next season. I think they've got to get these moves right because if they don't, the West is not going to be nearly as forgiving as it was this season. And again, this season, the West was incredibly forgiving and they didn't make it in. Healthy Nuggets team next year. Healthy Clippers team next year. The West is going to be more difficult next year and the pressure is on the Lakers to figure this out and to fix it and to get this a lot better.
All right, let's see what else we've got here. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Marcus Frazier, Phil Jackson is 76 years old and, and already said he has no interest in coaching. Yeah, Phil, look, Phil Jackson, let's let's put that to rest. Phil Jackson is not coaching. He's not going to be the coach of this team. He is going to be a consultant. He's going to be a sounding board. He's going to give his opinion in terms of who should be the coach. It's not him. He is not going to be the coach of this team. We can say that with certainty. Not happening. Oh my gosh, Charles from YouTube. Clippers versus Celtics in the finals. Who will you pick, Trevor? The referees. There's no there's no good outcome there. There's no positive outcome in that series. No matter what, it is a terrible, horrible, no good, rotten, horrifying outcome. There is no good outcome in that in that scenario. It's just oh goodness. It's all bad. It's all bad. It's like if you told me, hey, you get to watch a, a Marvel movie, great. Like, hey, you get to watch the NBA Finals, fantastic. Ah, but we but we didn't tell you the two Marvel movies that you're gonna watch are Thor: Dark World, and you could also choose Eternals if you want. Ugh, that that's the kind of choice you're you're putting you're putting in front of me here. I can't pick one of those. That's just gross. That's just gross. And I've seen some people in uh, in the chat here that have been saying I would rather see the the Celtics win than the Clippers. That they actually hate the Clippers more now, which is interesting. Because historically, Lakers-Celtics, that's the thing. Uh, Mamba Mentality. What do you think about the Kyrie rumor and how can we get him? So I talked about the Kyrie rumor quite a bit on our, our last show. But Kyrie Irving, I, I don't see it happening. He's already talked about sticking around with the Brooklyn Nets. I don't think that's something that's going to go down. I think this is what happened. I think midway through the season, we heard that the Lakers were trying to figure out a way to trade Russell Westbrook. We heard that they even called up the Sacramento Kings and said, Hey, Kings. Uh, Buddy Heald, is um, he still available? Can we interest you in Russell Westbrook? Can you imagine that? The Lakers, after leaving the Kings in a lurch, right? They thought the Buddy Heald deal was done. Already, let's go. It's done. And then last minute, they went, oh, no, no, no. Sorry, Kings. We're going to go trade for Russell Westbrook. Instead, a few months later, they're calling up the Kings, trying to get them to give them Buddy Heald in exchange for Russell Westbrook. Well, the Kings said no, obviously. So... In a Kyrie Irving situation, I believe that it was around that time. This is me kind of connecting the dots. The Lakers were probably calling a number of teams in the NBA. And I would imagine, given their struggles, the Brooklyn Nets were probably on that list of calls. 
in order to pitch an idea of trading Russell Westbrook in a deal for Kyrie Irving. I think that's where that rumor came from. I don't think it's a real thing that's actually going to happen. I don't see anybody actually trading for Kyrie Irving right now, just like uh, it would have to be a sign and trade because Kyrie's gonna gonna be a free agent. It would have to be a sign and trade, kind of similar to the Zach Levine thing. I think that the Kyrie thing was something that was discussed internally among the Lakers at some point during the season as perhaps a way to get out of Russell Westbrook. I don't think the Lakers want to surrender real stuff, Anthony Davis or of course LeBron, in order to get Kyrie. And I don't think the Nets would take anything less for him. So that it's not happening. Uh, Mook Morris. Lakers should take a chance on undrafted wings with size being 6'7 and 6'8 plus. Not undersize. Uh, Want to be 6'5 guards for that chance. Yeah, I agree. Look, I mean, that's that's where we've seen the Lakers find success this season. And part of it was they were so starved for guys with that skill set. Guys who were bigger wings, who could do some things there, whether it was controlling the ball, shooting, defense, whatever. And that's what, part of why we saw guys like Stanley Johnson, Wendy Gabriel, why those guys kind of stood out. It's because the Lakers didn't have that. They didn't have those wings. We said it going into the season. They didn't get enough wings last summer. And so that's something that they definitely need to do. And if you're going to take a chance on anything in the NBA, why not a wing? Why not swing for the fences? That's what everyone wants right now. It's wings who can shoot threes. Every team in the NBA is looking for a wing player at this moment. Everybody wants that. You can't have enough of them. It's part of the reason why the Clippers were so thrilled to lock up Robert Covington on that extension that they already signed him on. That's what teams are looking for in the NBA. If you can find those guys without having to use a draft pick or sign a guy to a super high contract, that's great. That's, that is found gold. So I agree with you, Mook. I think that if the Lakers can get some wing players that are undrafted free agents, give it a shot. Give it a shot. If it doesn't work out, it's undrafted free agent. You cut them loose. It's no big deal, right? If you're going to take that dart throw, though, Throw it after guys that are the skill set that everybody is looking for. Because if it hits, and again, it's a, it'd be a rarity for it to hit, but if it hits, if it hits, it's a massive, massive win. Massive win. If you can find guys that can play and be 3 and D style players, oof, that helps out a franchise a lot. Uh, Richard from YouTube said, hey Trevor, how are you? I'm good. I'm tired from, from traveling today, but I'm good. Uh, I'm wondering, how do you feel about Thomas Bryant, if possible? Thanks. So Thomas Bryant should be a free agent, but I, I like Thomas Bryant a lot. I don't know if the Lakers are going to go back that route. I don't know if they're going to spend on the center position much. We'll see. It depends on how the new coach coming in, whoever it winds up being, sees Anthony Davis. Does he see AD as this is our center? Or does he see AD as he's our power forward? We need another true center next to him. If that's the case, Thomas Bryant would make some sense because he can shoot the three, can give you a little bit of rim protect, a little bit undersized at the center spot. But does Thomas Bryant want to come back to the Lakers? They gave up on him. They cut him. They had the opportunity to keep him and they cut him. He wound up with the Wizards, became a starter, all of that. So I don't know. I think a lot of that, look, I think, Fit-wise, sure, if he's healthy. He's had some injury concerns. If he's healthy, though, fit-wise, yeah, he makes some sense. But how much does he want to be a Laker? Is he willing to forget the past, forgive? I don't know. So that I think that's a hurdle that you would have to clear first and foremost. Is the Lakers cut Thomas Bryant when they shouldn't have, obviously? Can you get past that? 
Robert Monty, keep the core, AD, LeBron, and Westbrook for 2023. Uh, now, I, I doubt that would be uh, the ideal situation for the Lakers. They might wind up in a spot where they have to. I think they're going to try to trade Russell Westbrook. Bill Orem of The Athletic had a nice piece explaining why maybe the Lakers should keep uh, Russ into the season and then try to trade him midway through. Sure, there's some, there's some points that you can make there. But ultimately, I think we saw pretty conclusively that Russell Westbrook, LeBron James together doesn't work. It doesn't work on paper. So it just makes sense that it wouldn't work on the floor either. Sometimes, sometimes you can overcome fit concerns on paper on the floor. Sometimes things that you wouldn't think would work wind up working. That can happen. That can happen. But in this case, all of the fit concerns that we had regarding Russell Westbrook were pretty much validated, confirmed by what we saw this season from LeBron and AD trying to play with Russ and not working. Frank Vogel trying a million different things with Russ, trying to figure out what will work, playing him on ball, playing him off the ball, putting him in different spots on the floor, trying to figure out one some way to get Russ to be successful. And he couldn't. He couldn't. Not with LeBron and AD. It just didn't work. So... I don't, I don't think keeping the core is a great plan moving forward. I think you could be put in a situation where there's no trade options and you don't want to buy out that contract and so you say, okay, let's see if we can get him looking at least a little bit better and then see if something comes up in December or whatever. We'll try to move him then. But I think the Lakers are going to do everything they can to find a workable trade for Russell Westbrook. Uh, Josh Weeks said the audio is rough. I know, I'm doing this out of a hotel room. So that's that's why. Apologies. You know, I wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to do video on this, if I would have enough bandwidth to do it. But again, not in a proper studio by any means, just doing this out of a hotel, hotel room, setting it up best I can. So apologies, but bear with me. We're getting through it. Vector Nova. Dorian Finney-Smith and what he's doing with Dallas has been incredible for them. We, uh, we need to use our scouting department and find people like him. Hey, agreed. That's, and that is the argument behind finding a 3 and D player. He's a great example of a guy who the Mavs found. Now they just paid him, and he's already looking like, even on that contract, on his new deal, he might be even a bargain if he continues playing the way he has. He was fantastic for the Mavs last game. I don't expect him to score like that every single game, but in terms of being a guy who can defend at a high level and shoot threes, he can do those things. And alongside Luca who plays a very LeBron-esque role on the Mavs, well, that works out pretty well, doesn't it? You surround LeBron with some guys who can do those types of things, well, you're going to be in good shape. So, Dorian Finney-Smith, great example, exactly that type of player that you're looking for. Joe Aparicio said Duncan Robinson. Yeah, Duncan Robinson is a guy who, I mean, he's not in the rotation right now for the Miami Heat. He's got a lot of money left on his contract. In fact, let me double check here. I think he has four years left. But he's got a lot of time left under contract and a lot of money, too. So Duncan Robinson, yes, four years after this season, still under contract, you've got a, the final season isn't fully guaranteed, but you've got $16.9 million, $18.1 million, $19.4 million. That's a lot of money for a guy who can't even get off the bench in this playoff series. And he's not terrible. Like, he, he just was, was great, like, the last series. So, Duncan Robinson is a guy who's interesting, but how badly do the Miami Heat want to move him? And if you're the Lakers, do you want to absorb that much money for Duncan Robinson, whose his main skill is three-point shooting? If his three-point percentage drops at all, he becomes much less valuable. If you look this season, 
went from 44% two seasons ago, 41% last season, down to 37% this season, and that has impacted his overall effectiveness as a player. That's something to consider. When you have a guy whose main value on the floor is their shooting, you have to know that sometimes shooting isn't always a sticky stat. It's something where if a guy shoots 44% from three, that doesn't mean you're going to get 44% from three next season. Rebounding is a bit more sticky. Like if a guy grabs 10 rebounds one season, eh, if you give him the same minutes, same opportunities, and he's still relatively healthy, you're probably going to get a similar production the next year. That's, just, that's the way it goes. It's more of a sticky stat. Shooting percentages, not so much, especially three-point shooting percentages. You can get some variation there. And because of that, you look at Duncan Robinson, who when he signed his contract, you thought, okay, this is a pretty good value for a guy who's an absolute sniper. Now you have to question, if he's only a 37% three-point shooter, is he worth that contract? Probably not. Probably not. Now, are you working in a, a rust trade? Okay, maybe it's a three-team deal somehow. You figure something out there. All right. You know, I, I would listen, but I'm not rushing out to go get Duncan Robinson at this point, even though the Lakers could use shooting. That salary is one where you've got to be convinced, hey, this guy's going to be a really good shooter from here on out. Because if, it's, if this shooting slide continues, 44%, then down 41%, 37%. If he's a league average three-point shooter next season, and I think he's better than that, but if he is, ooh, that is a negative value contract big time that you'd have sitting on your books. And so that's something that you've got to be a little bit concerned about. If you're the Lakers or any team, that would be looking to trade for Duncan Robinson. Andre, I wish we could have seen Westbrook off the bench. Curry was willing to come off the bench in the playoffs with a win-first mentality. Yeah, I agree. I mean, my only pushback on that, and I saw a lot of people who recommended that during the season, just get Russ to run the, the sixth year, the, be the sixth man. Run the bench unit. LeBron comes off. Russ comes on. There you go. Here you go, Russ. Here's the ball. Go do your thing. Let Russ be Russ. All of that. I get it. But think about how many times we saw during the season where LeBron came, came off the floor and it was time. Okay, Russ, here you go. Here's the ball. And what happened? The Lakers lost leads. They gave up ground. Remember, that was part of the goal of bringing in Russ. It was to take some of the burden off of LeBron and make it so that LeBron wasn't in. That meant that you still had somebody else who could run the ship, who could control things. We've seen ever since LeBron came to LA, since LeBron came to LA, every time he leaves the game, it's just a matter of can the Lakers hold on? Can they hold on while LeBron rests until he comes back in again? How many times have we seen, countless times, where LeBron goes out, the Lakers had a, say, six-point lead. By the time LeBron comes back in, it's a tie game. LeBron bumps it back up again. LeBron goes out. Score gets pushed back. That's what the Lakers were trying to avoid by bringing in Russell Westbrook. Okay, hey, here's a guy, this guy can do it. He can be the guy who can run the offense. He's going to get his production whenever LeBron's off the floor. I don't feel like we really saw that this season. So in theory, it makes sense though, right? Just like on paper, Russ and LeBron don't really work. On paper, Russ being the sixth man makes some sense. I mean, that's an expensive $47 million for a sixth man is expensive. But if you've already got him under contract, is that a way to make it work? Again, on paper, it makes sense. On the floor, though, I don't feel like we saw a lot of that this season. I thought we saw more struggles than anything else. But maybe if that's a consistent role, if that's a consistent thing, and you can really design a second unit around Russ, then maybe you can make that more workable. I'm not, I'm not 
closing the door on that. I'm saying that maybe there's some tweaks that you can make to Russell Westbrook as a sixth man, but the first hurdle you'd have to overcome is convincing Russell Westbrook to do it. And I think that's a pretty good, big hurdle that you'd have to clear. Not easy, I think, to get that done. James Lopez, Portland Lakers, trade Westbrook and all the first rounders, so 2027 and 2029. Oh, pretend, sorry, not Portland, pretend. Pretend Lakers trade Westbrook and all the first round picks for Gobert. Keep Monk. Okay, so we're assuming Monk signing a taxpayer mid-level there. And none. Sign a decent point guard. Is it a good team? Thanks. Appreciate the show. Ah, thank you for the super chat, James. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's interesting. Gobert has five years left under contract. He turns 30 in like a month. So, and let me double check on the, the exact numbers on these. So Gobert, sorry, four years after this year. Gobert, 38 million, 41 million, 43 million, 46 million. He's got 170 million over the next four years. And then final year, part of it is not guaranteed, but it's just a portion of it. So that's a lot. So you got to be sure. I mean, Rudy Gobert, 29 right now, turns 30 in a few months. Turns 30 in June. End of June, he turns 30. You better be convinced that age 30, age 31, age 32, age 33, Gobert is going to be a defensive monster, just like he has been, because if he's not... He's probably not worth that money that you're paying him. And here's the thing. If you just told me Russ for Gobert, the Jazz want to clear salaries. Okay. Yeah. Of course you do that. No question. You do it. But when it's Russ and both those picks, again, you have to be convinced Gobert is the guy. And I'm not saying he's not. I think he's fantastic. I think that he very well could be. I think I think that offer probably gets beaten, frankly. I think somebody offers more. But for the Lakers, the only hesitation is that, that age. And again, again, that's, we couldn't even consider, if Gobert was 25, this isn't even a consideration. There, I mean, there's 0% chance the Jazz would consider it. But at turning 30, Danny Ainge, does he want to mix things up? The Jazz flamed out again early. Is it time for them to move on from this stuff? That's something you got to consider. Um, it'd be interesting. Gobert and AD, side by side, Twin Towers. Is that the way that you want to go? Part of that depends on who the new head coach is. We'll find out. Hopefully, sometime soon. Somebody said, will Gobert really help us, though, for what we need? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the problem. Is What I really see the Lakers needing is big wings who can defend and hit threes. That's, that's what the Lakers ultimately need. Big wings who can defend and hit threes. Gobert's not that. In fact, Gobert kind of got played off the floor at least once during the playoffs. We see teams try to do it. I, again, I think he's fantastic. But does he really fill what the Lakers need? Probably not. But if the option is out there to get him in a Westbrook trade, you you got to listen. You're probably not getting a better player than that. I think that's pretty safe to say. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Let's see what else we've got going on here. By the way, one of the things that I want to talk about is the Lakers. I threw this out there on Twitter a few days ago. What was the last Lakers trade that you can remember where you felt like the Lakers got good value on the deal? What was the last time? What was the last time the Lakers won, I'm doing air quotes for those of you listening to the podcast, won a trade? Because it feels like it's been a while. Now, you could say it hasn't been that long. You could say Dennis Schroeder. At the time, Dennis Schroeder was the runner-up for sixth man of the year, and the Lakers traded a 33-year-old Danny Green and a late first-round pick in order to get the runner-up for sixth man of the year, who in theory filled the need for the Lakers. Uh, He was, what, 26 years old, I believe, at the time. I I thought that was a good deal. Now, obviously, it didn't work out, and sometimes that happens with trades, but I thought value-wise that was pretty good. But in general, you look at the trades the Lakers have made, it feels like more often than not, the Lakers are that team that's throwing in extra stuff to get a team to do a deal. You look at the, the Anthony Davis trade, and people will say, look, the Lakers won the trade because they won a championship. And I'm, and I'm on board, 100% on board. The Lakers won a championship. That's it. You win the trade. You won a championship. You win the trade. No question. But in terms of value, at the time when the AD trade went down, if you didn't know you were getting a championship out of it, there were a lot of people who said, man, the Lakers probably gave too much. Who were they bidding against? Couldn't they? I was of the mindset of at the time, and I remember talking about this a lot. You want to hold out one of three things if you're the Lakers from this deal. Well, one of four things, really. You either want to hold out the fourth pick, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. We knew it was unlikely those any of those three things were going to be held out. Or the duo of Josh Hart and Kyle Kuzma. That was what I was looking to see. I was looking to see the Lakers negotiate that. Keep one of those things. They weren't able to. They kept Kyle Kuzma, but Josh Hart was included in the trade. So I'm not saying that it was a bad trade. Obviously, the Lakers won a championship. You win the trade. But from a value perspective, it feels like it's been a while since we went, man, the Lakers really did a great job negotiating this. What a great what a great deal. Was it the Pau Gasol trade? Was that the last truly great trade that the Lakers made? I think on the surface, the Dwight Howard trade was actually a good deal. The Steve Nash trade actually made sense, but we know they didn't play out, so we look at them negatively today. But at the time, there was some value there. But you look at the Lakers, it feels like it's been a while since they've really had a win. And that's that's going to be, I think, one of the big themes this offseason. Will the Lakers, because they have to, find a way to win a trade? Because again, let's face it, they don't have very many assets. So whatever assets they use, they've got to make sure they get the most out of them. So that's one of my keys for this offseason is, can you win a trade if you're the Lakers? It's not going to be easy. Not going to be easy because they are negotiating from a point of weakness. They are the team that most around the NBA sees as a team that has to do something. They're desperate to do something. Got to move Westbrook. LeBron's clock is ticking. Got to get something done. That's not an easy position to deal from. So Rob Pelink has his work cut out for him. But I feel like it's been far too long since we've seen the Lakers conclusively win a deal. So, let's see if they can do it this summer. Uh, DM said, Lakers are good with signing and drafting, not trading. LOL. 
Yeah, I mean, they've had some good trades in the past. Like what? Technically, Shaq was a trade, um, I believe. Oh, no, they traded guys in order to be able to sign them. They made they made trades in order to do the Shaq deal. Uh, Kobe was a trade, technically. I mean, that that worked out. That was that was a, a rather good deal. Vlade Divac in exchange for Kobe. Um, but it feels like it's been a while since they've really had a good, good, solid trade. Signings, again, hit and miss. We saw a lot of misses. A lot of misses with the signings this last summer. Drafting, yeah. I think drafting is the one thing that they've been consistently good at. They've been great finding talent late. I mean, even Taylor Horton. I know a lot of people are down on Taylor Horton Tucker. He's been good. For where the Lakers found him, he's been fantastic. Jordan, look at, look at how many players are finding success around the NBA that the Lakers got late. Thomas Bryant, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr., Kyle Kuzma, Vitsa Zubats. Austin Reeves, right, was undrafted. The list just goes on and on and on, and I'm leaving guys out. They've done a tremendous job in the draft. Trades? Not so much. In terms of value, you don't see them pulling off some crazy, complicated deals. Can they do that this summer? Because I think they're going to have to. Um, Free agent signings? Again, hit or miss. Kendrick Nunn, obviously that didn't work out. I still think value-wise, he's good. $5 million, if he gives you the 15 points a game that he was giving the Miami Heat, sure, you'll take that. You'll take that gladly for that price tag. But again, he was hurt all season. Couldn't foresee that. But still, signing-wise, Malik Monk was a good signing. We also saw a lot of bad ones. Guys who just didn't work out. All right, let's see what else we can find here. What else you guys want to talk about? Dr. Awesome said they're having success on other teams, though. Who cares if the Lakers drafted them? Well, that's that's a whole different discussion, right? That's a whole different discussion. Finding the players and drafting them, that's one challenge. Valuing them appropriately moving forward and making the correct decisions with those assets once you've found them, totally different. Totally different, right? I mean, look, I can go, I can go decide, you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to play a lottery ticket and I'm going to pick these six numbers and I win. Fantastic, right? Now, what you do with that money after that, totally different decision. Totally different decision. You could totally blow it. Money's gone before you know. Buy 10 houses, do all this crazy stuff. Next thing you know, the money is gone. How you manage that asset once you have it, it's a different skill set really than acquiring that asset to begin with. And so for the Lakers, you are really good at figuring out how to get these guys, figuring out how to find guys that can help NBA teams late in drafts, which is very valuable, very valuable, particularly for a team that's capped out. Very, very valuable. They don't do such a great job managing those assets later on. And we talked about Julius Randle. You're a restricted free agent. No, no, never mind. You, you don't want to be here. So, okay, here, we're not going to have you be restricted anymore. We're going to let you walk for nothing. We're not going to get anything for you. Okay. Thomas Bryant and Vitsa Zubats. Having to choose between the two of them. Picking Zoo. And then just trading him for Mike Muscala. And like six months later, they've done some crazy stuff with some of their late talent that they found. Again, that's a different skill set though. Let's see what else we've got here. We'll do a few more. 
Mamba mentality, your best candidate for the Lakers coaching job. I'm still going to say Quinn Snyder by just a bit. Um, I think it's part of what the Lakers are waiting for right now is to see if Quinn Snyder becomes available out on the out on the coaching market. But I'll also say that I, Darvin Ham is really growing on me, and I think he's somebody who'd make a lot of sense. I think he commands a lot of respect around the NBA. I think that matters. But again, he'd be a first-time head coach, and so. I don't dismiss him because he's not a first-time head coach. I don't. I don't think you should dismiss him. If you believe he can command the respect of a seasoned coach, great. That's fantastic. Go with it. But it's the Lakers. It's the Lakers. Think of the amount of pressure, the media scrutiny, everything that comes with being the Lakers. Then you've got LeBron, and you have to win right now, and every little misstep, every loss is going to be under the magnifying glass. That's a difficult position for a first-time head coach to be in. So that would give me a little bit of pause if I'm the Lakers with Darvin Hammond. So that's why I put Quinn Snyder at the top, but I really do like Darvin Ham a lot. Um, like if I was the Charlotte Hornets, Darvin Ham is the top of my list. And if I'm Darvin Ham, I might want to go to a team like the Hornets where I'm not going to be under that microscope and I can kind of grow and, and, and deal with the speed bumps as they come of being a first-time head coach and all of that. But again, if that Lakers job is there for Darvin Ham, I think he makes a lot of sense. I think he makes a lot of sense. If he had a couple years of coaching experience, it would be, I think it would be a no-brainer. I'm willing to take the risk on Darvin Ham, but I don't know what the Lakers are. And that's why I have Quinn Snyder sitting just, just barely, just barely right above him. But I'll tell you what. I think I would be more excited if the Lakers went Darvin Ham over Quinn Snyder. And who knows? We don't know exactly who's on their list. Maybe it's Mark Jackson. He didn't get the Kings job. Mike Brown did. Mark Jackson didn't get it. Maybe the Lakers turn to Mark Jackson. Maybe he gets it. Maybe it's Steve Clifford. Maybe it's, they've got, what, like 10 different guys that they've been talking to. So we'll see. All right, let's see what else is going on here. Uh, Dwight Smith says, Trevor, you blocked me for speaking the truth. That's lame. Well, obviously you're not blocked because I can read your questions and I have no idea what truth you're talking about. Uh, Mook Morris said, Darvin Ham could be the best option if Quinn, not Doc Rivers, wasn't to become available at all, but there are options out there. Yeah, look, if, if Quinn Snyder doesn't become available, I think Darvin Ham is the top of my list. But again, I'm not sitting in on these interviews. I'm not listening to what each coach's plan is for the team or what their path forward would be. So it's possible because all this stuff is happening behind closed doors. Maybe a coach comes in with just, just a great plan and the Lakers say, yes, this is what we want. And LeBron hears it and says, yes, that's perfect. That's the style I want to run. Let's go. We're not privy to that stuff. Dang, no love for Phil Handy. Hey, I said that there's like 10 guys that they, they should talk to. I think that Phil Handy should be one of them. Leave no stone unturned. I think he's an interesting candidate too. I thought the Lakers should have gotten rid of Frank Vogel a, a month early just to give the keys to Phil Handy and find out while, why he's under contract. Why not find out? Give him a trial run. See how he does as a head coach and then go from there with some knowledge. Go into the offseason with a little bit of knowledge about what he's like as a head coach. They didn't opt to do that. And there's there's pros and cons to that. But I think Phil Handy should 100%, 100 be a candidate as well. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, can we get a player for Malik Monk if he signs with another team and a sign and trade? Yes, the only way you're going to get that is if you trade him. Is if it, Let's say there's a team that is also not wanting to trigger the hard cap. So a team that's also very, very capped out would be like the Warriors, the Clippers, somebody like that. If one of those teams really wanted Malik Monk and they were not able to, to sign him outright, well, they're still going to have the taxpayer mid-level. And the Lakers don't have bird rights. If the Lakers did have bird rights, it would make sense. But yeah, there's just no way even a sign and trade really makes sense with Malik Monk. Because of that bird rights issue. Yeah, it, it just it doesn't work. So, for the Lakers, if Malik Monk goes, goes somewhere else, you're losing him. You're just losing him for nothing. There's, no, there's not really a sign and trade possibility there. Because the best the Lakers can sign him for, it's like just shy of $3 million, something like that. Which he's going to get way more than that. And that even if the Lakers offer their taxpayer mid-level, then he wouldn't be... You don't offer that in a trade. I mean, another team can offer the taxpayer mid-level. If you're the Warriors, the Clippers, whoever. They can offer that too. So the only way a sign and trade would make sense is if the Lakers could offer a full mid-level exception or had cap room to offer something and another team without cap room wanted Malik Monk, then you could do a sign and trade that way. But that's not the scenario that we're in right now. Senpai NFT said, would you like to see us target, or would like to see us target, Batum and DiVincenzo? Sure, yeah, Nicholas Batum it fits that, that mold of being a big wing. DiVincenzo, in fact, my commentary on him, I remember writing this note when I was doing my draft research for Dante DiVincenzo. It was, he plays like a Laker. He just plays with the kind of heart, the kind of hustle that you would expect to see out of a Lakers player. I've liked him quite a bit, but he's a guard. And that, that's the thing. I don't want the Lakers to get too focused on guards. I think they had way too many guards last season, not enough wings. Uh, Batum's interesting. He'd have to cross hallways. If you can get him, sure. Yeah, I, I'm, I think he's the type of player that you need. I don't think the Clippers are going to let him go, though. I think he's going to wind up staying. Mook Morris, they would probably still make the coaching staff. Probably. I mean, look, Phil Handy could stay on staff as an assistant coach. Typically, a new coach brings in their own staff. But it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out because of what the Lakers did with Frank Vogel, where they didn't really let him pick his own staff. So we'll see what they do there. All right, guys, let's do let's do one more, and then I got to get some some rest here. Kai Soto for the Lakers. Yeah, I got to talk to him about that tomorrow. Somebody said, I want Jeremy Grant. I think a lot of teams are going to be after Jeremy Grant. And that's probably not going to be possible for the Lakers. Jeff, Jeff, Trevor, you need some sleep. I do. Hey, I've been, been traveling today. I do need to get some sleep for sure. Uh, Andre, Trevor, how much of Westbrook do you see in John Morant? I mean, the athleticism, the burst to the rim, I see 
Initially, when I saw John Morant, I thought he's like a newer version of Steve Francis. He That's who he reminded me of. But John's kind of become his own thing. And the three-point shot is starting to come around. And so that's where he can really differentiate himself from, from a, a Russ. And Russ, though, Russ is another level of just physically overpowering. Like, Russ is a very physically strong person. I mean, Jaw is, is strong, too. But not it doesn't quite have the bulk that, that Russell Westbrook does in terms of the, the strength when he's attacking the basket. He's... I was talking to some guys today, some fans um, who I met in the airport. And we were talking about John Morant, and they were saying, they're, they're like, how long is he going to last? So that's that's the concern with Jaw because he takes off like he's shot out of a cannon every single time. He's hurling, you know, just hurling himself at the basket, and he's not a big dude, so he takes a lot of contact. He crashes to the floor a lot. I don't know what Jaw's longevity is going to look like. He's so talented. You have to think that ultimately his game will adapt and he'll adjust. And I think that's probably where where this winds up going. And if anything, if we're looking at John Morant and Russell Westbrook, I hope that Jaw learns the lesson here that we've seen with Russell Westbrook, where if you don't adjust your game, if you don't develop that outside shot, if that never comes around, that never becomes a thing, your athleticism eventually is going to wane. It's just, it's going to happen. And in order to stay effective, you've got to have other tools that you can, that you can use in order to get the job done. And again, I'm not saying the jaw isn't going to do that. I think he is. I think he's already doing it. I think the jumper is starting to already come around. So I'm excited about him moving forward. I think he can become, as his career goes on, what we kind of hoped the current version of Russ could be. And don't I don't want to take too many shots here at Russell Westbrook because, let's face it, he was an MVP, incredible player, amazing. We're, we're not getting that version of Russ right now, but he's been amazing in this league. He's been incredible. If Jaw hits that level of play, that's, I mean, MVP level, that's, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. But I think Jaw can combine the athleticism with an improving shot and that's what can ultimately differentiate himself from russ but again different body type so we'll see what he looks like moving forward all right everybody appreciate all of you for for joining me here um again apologies for any audio concerns or any of that again i'm doing this out of a hotel room but thank you guys for joining me um Always a good time when we get to talk Lakers basketball, even when it's the offseason. If you guys are listening to the podcast version of this, toss us that five-star rating over on Apple Podcasts with a review. We'd love getting those. And then everybody else, make sure you are subscribing to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications. I'm going to give you guys some updates. If you want to follow me over on Instagram, I'll be, uh, again, at Kai Soto's workouts tomorrow. We'll do an interview with him as well. Uh, so follow me over on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. We'll post some content from there. And then, of course, you can be uh, on the lookout on the YouTube channel for stuff coming out from that. Uh, make sure that you do turn on those notifications as well. All right, everybody. Appreciate it. Till next time. See ya and stay safe.